Welcome, 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 geeks and nerds, girls and boys, to another brand new episode of geek to me Radio. Tonight, we've got actor Spencer Breslin on, talking about his brand new movie, Murder Anyone, featuring our friend Maurice LaMarche. Later on, we'll be talking with actor Eric Fellows about his rom-com, Divorce Bait. We'll talk a few other things with Eric as well. All that and more, stand by. St. Louis area tonight listening to us on the Big 550 KTRS. Hello to all of you. Thank you for staying tuned in and listening. If you're hearing us after the fact in the podcast forum, hello to all of you. We appreciate your subscribing and listening there. And of course, if you're watching us right now on YouTube and Facebook, hello to you. Thank you for checking out the live stream. We appreciate that as well. Uh, want to make sure we plug the YouTube channel. Joey and I have decided we're going to focus on the YouTube. So if you get a chance and you've not yet subscribed, go to YouTube.com, search geek to me Radio and click that subscribe button. Hit the little bell so you'll get new notifications. Every time we go live with great guests like we have tonight, Spencer Breslin and Eric Fellows. And uh, you can check out our back catalog on YouTube as well, youtube.com. Look for geek to me Radio on there and hit that subscribe button. We'd greatly appreciate it. Uh, full show tonight. We're going to dive right to it. My first guest, you've seen him in countless movies and TV shows. Uh, very jealous of all the incredible talent he's got to work with. Brand new movie out now, Murder Anyone. It's coming out on demand and digital on February the 7th. And he's working with our friend Maurice LaMarche in this one. Spencer Breslin, how are you? Hi there. Yeah, uh, Spencer Breslin, Studio City, California. I'm just here to talk about the Kyrie Irving Nets situation. Um, <laughs> oh, wait, it's the wrong station. Sorry. Right. Uh, hey, how are you? Doing well, doing well. I appreciate your time on a Sunday night. Thanks very much. For no, being. absolutely. Thank you very much for having me on. I'm really excited about this film and the opportunity to talk about it. And this is such an exciting thing because I'm, I'm I'm a theater kid, so I love plays and everything like that. And this is based on the play that the director's father had originally done. So it's kind of that, that cool family element to it as well. Talk a little bit about how you got attached to this project, if you could. So I was um, pitched the idea of doing a nature documentary about a murderous chicken. Um, and supposedly Sir David Attenborough was going to narrate it. And then I showed up to set and it was uh, definitely not that. Uh. Um, no, but I, uh, I've, I've become very close friends with um, James, like, at the, towards, I guess, kind of like at the end of the first lockdown, uh, when people were kind of allowed to uh, go socialize a bit more, um, uh, we met through a good buddy of mine, a great director named Josh Boone, um, and he kind of said, hey, I think you'd really vibe with this guy, James, I think you guys would get along, similar tastes and all that, and uh we met, and then from then on, we were kind of looking for a project to do. And uh, when he came to me with this, you know, being such a, you know, special, close 
movie for him with his late father, you know, writing the play, um, I, I said yes immediately. And I, I'm really happy I did. Uh, cause you know, it had been a couple of years since I'd really done anything a note and I was kind of looking and itching for something to, uh, dive back into. So it, it just kind of worked out very, uh, I hate the word organically, but I guess that's the best way to say it, you know? Absolutely. And you mentioned the pandemic. I'm, I'm always interested when I talk to uh, actors because everyone handled the pandemic differently. They weathered it differently. They did different things to keep themselves occupied. What did you end up doing uh, 2020? And here we are in the, I think now it's the 37th month of 2020 that we're currently in. How did you, uh, how did you get through the pandemic? Well, I mean, I guess the right answer would be um, I did a lot of uh, work on myself and a lot of self-improvement, but it was mostly a lot of beer, a lot of uh, Netflix, and a lot of cooking. So, see, it sounds like we got through it the same way. We should have quarantined together. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, why not? It was kind of fun for the first couple of weeks. You're like, oh, this is like a cool vacation, and, you know, then it just kind of kept dragging on. But at the same time, you think about all the people who still had to go to work every single day. and you start, you know, kind of feeling bad for indulging so much because uh, there are a lot of people who didn't have the opportunity to stay home. So, you know, thanks to them. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I know with uh, with the filming, I know that precautions are still taking because COVID is still with us. Precautions are still being taken on set and everything like that. It's my understanding, though, they're not like they're not making you test daily anymore. Uh, I'm not sure how long ago this was filmed. So what were what were the protocols like for you when you were filming the uh, murder anyone? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I pretty much had to test every day, okay. and I was only on the film for, I mean, it was a very low-budget family affair, so we were, you know, I, I think the whole shoot was probably like five or six days, and I believe, if memory serves me correct, I was on for three of them, so hmm. wow, uh, that was uh, no problem. I, you know, I didn't mind testing, you know, I want to keep everyone around me safe. My father passed away of COVID during the pandemic. Oh, I'm so, so sorry. You know. Thank you. Thank you. And, you know, it's one of those things where, um, you know, having to put a little, you know, swab in my nose or whatever is not uh, the end of the world. So I I really didn't mind doing it. And you got to work with, as I said at the beginning of the show, Maurice LaMarche. We've had him on the show before. An amazing talent and such a such a great human being. Uh, Did you get to do much interacting with Maurice during the course of filming or uh, like how did how did you find working with him? So we did not work together at all because um, they shot um, all, all of his stuff was uh, done after I, I believe after or before um, I, it's either before I started or after I'd wrapped, but uh, we've uh, texted in uh, in a group chat that James started and he seems like a super lovely guy and uh, you know, it'd be really cool to get to interact with him more. Cause he's great in the film. You know, I mean the whole cast, honestly, uh, it was one of those things, you know, you, you think about a movie or any kind of job, really, and there's always one guy on set or one gal where you're like, oh, they're kind of a jerk, or I kind of <laughs> don't get along with them, and I think that's, you know, very normal, but uh, I'm not exaggerating on this film. It was really the opposite. There wasn't one person that I, you know, didn't totally adore, and I think that's because, you know, it was such a special project for James, so everyone there was kind of rallying behind him and really wanted to be there. So there was really no room for egos or bad attitudes. And uh, I mean, just uh, such an incredibly talented cast and crew. I feel really lucky to have been a part of it. Yeah, I think that speaks to both, I think, uh, all the people involved knowing what a special project it was to James Cullen Bresick. 
uh, that they were able to, you know, even if they did have egos, put those aside for the sake of this great project, which is it's uh, that's that's great to hear, too. And you got to work with Christos Andrews. We've got Gladrail Steinman. Uh, we mentioned Marissa yeah. Marsh, Sally Kirkland. Uh, when you're working with people, I mean, and again, we'll get to this a little bit later in the interview. Uh, you've worked with so many great talents. What What is it that surprises you most? Are you still surprised by anything when you go on set and you start working with someone new? Is there anything that kind of astonishes you? Or you, have you kind of, at this point, seen it all, kind of experienced most of the attitudes and the different personalities in Hollywood? Or was there anything about this particular movie that surprised you? Um, I mean, I, I feel like I'm surprised by something on every different shoot I do. I mean, and I think the one thing that, you know, consistently surprises me is how lucky I've been to work with uh, such generous actors who are just always down to run lines before the scene and they're not precious about rehearsing or, you know, uh, uh, just because, you know, I have worked with some people with some egos where they, you know, when it's not their close up, they don't really have an interest in acting anymore. And it was just the total opposite on this picture. Um, and, you know, so that's, that's, that's always cool. And I mean, the, I think the other thing that really surprises me is every time I start a new shoot, like the night before my first day, uh, I feel incredibly nauseous and like that'll be the movie that they figure out that I'm a total fraud. And so I'm surprised when they, you know, don't fire me on the first day. <laughs> is that, has that always been something you felt or is that just kind of yeah. newer since you've, uh, cause obviously you were, you were acting from the age of three. If I'm, if I'm remembering everything correctly, is that yeah, something new? I, I, I mean, I don't think it quite kicked in at three because I don't think you're really aware of what's going on at that. I, you kind of feel like you're just going to play. Um, but, you know, then, you know, you start hitting puberty and feeling more self-aware and uh, more responsibility to the projects. And you start realizing like, oh, this is, you know, there's a lot of money involved in all these movies. And so many people are showing up every day to try and make it great. And you don't want to be the guy to uh, screw it up. Uh, so, and I, I mean... And it's only ever the first night before I start. And then once I get into it, I'm like, okay, we're, we're, we're good. We can, you know, I can still do this. I'm not a total fraud, but, uh, it's <laughs> that, that, that case in nerves, you know, pretty much happens every time. Um, and with all the different projects, probably a good thing because I guess it keeps you from getting complacent. I don't know. Or I'm just a total neurotic. I don't know. I mean, it, I, as a as a fellow neurotic, I feel for you there. But uh, yeah, I mean, it doesn't keep you from getting complacent. I'd say uh, maybe it's uh, maybe it's it's, the, it's supposed to be there. I guess. Yeah, I mean, I, I you know, it just it happens, and I know it's going to happen, and so it is what it is. Uh, I try not to think too much about it, but that's the uh, it's the one thing that happens every film. <laughs> And for those of you who might just be tuning in, we're talking with actor Spencer Breslin. Brand new movie out on February 7th, on demand and digital, Murder Anyone, based on the play. Did you, for research for the role, did they say, hey, make sure you read the play? Did they have a, like a, a showing of one of the plays like the, 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 from a DVD or something like that that you got to see? Or were you already familiar with the work? Uh, yeah, no, I mean, I was familiar from what, uh, you know, James had told me and I... I... I did read the play and, uh, we, you know, we saw some clips of it. Uh, you know, I think I might've even watched the whole play. If James is listening, you know, I'm trying to get my story straight. So he doesn't think I'm a liar, but you know, <laughs> uh, no, but I, I, I am, I am familiar with the work and, uh, you know, we, we tried to be, um, you know, really true to that, to honor his dad. And I know just how important this was to him, but there was also still a lot of, uh, room for us to have fun with the characters and you know how can you not have fun with these characters it's totally you know 
it's like the most absurd thing I've ever been a part of. And it was really cool to see James get to not only direct something so close to his heart that, you know, his dad had created, but to see him direct something that, you know, no one's ever seen him make a movie like this before. And he's like a really, really, really good comedy director. (laughs) Um, And, uh, you know, as an actor, he's, you know, one of my favorite people I've ever worked with. And, you know, that's not just saying that because uh, we're pals, but, you know, because it's true. And it's always interesting because uh, when you see a play that's been adapted into a movie, a lot of times it's greatly different. And that was going to be one of my questions is uh, with, you know, the the son of the man who did the play, how faithful the adaptation was. Was it pretty much a straightforward thing to the play? Obviously, they probably changed some stuff to have a few surprises, but overall pretty faithful to the actual play then. I'd say very faithful to the source material, but like I said, we had room uh, to kind of throw our own, uh, I don't know what you want to call it, our own uh, personalities into it. Um, just because it's, it's such a, I mean, I can I can speak for myself. I mean, the, the role of Blaine that I played, you know, I've never done anything like that before. So it was, uh, it, you know, it was kind of hard to not want to, you know, throw a bit of myself into it and, you know, have fun with it. But we, uh, I think we managed to uh, walk that fine line of staying true to it and also throwing our own flair on it, you know, our own spin on it. And with all the different people you work with, one of the things I wanted to ask you about, um, the kid with Bruce Willis from the movie 2000, which was only five years ago, uh, going by my math. (laughs) Um, (laughs) you, you were able to, you had to play a young Bruce Willis, which obviously people grow up and they do impressions of different people, but you actually had to play Bruce Willis at such a young age. How did you find having to play such a young, uh, version of an established, like, did you work with him? Did you get to know him for a while beforehand? Was it just basically off the script? Did the director work with you that extensively? How did, how did you find your mannerisms and how were you able to capture a young Bruce Willis in that film? I mean, well, I think, you know, it's weird because I was so young at that age and sort of like what I was talking about earlier, you kind of lack uh, a bit of awareness at that age of, you know, how big of a project you're involved with, which I think is what's really cool about watching kids act is they're not acting. They're just, you know, playing dress up and yeah. playing cops and robbers and what have you. And I think the the reason that this worked out was because, in the movie, you know, Bruce as a young kid is totally different than the jerk that he is in the film, not in real life, but in the film, <laughs> you know, as an adult. Um, so, you know, we're supposed to be kind of polar opposites and that's, you know, where a lot of the conflict in the comedy comes from. So I didn't really have to, you know, spend much time researching Bruce. And I, I think at seven years old, I probably wasn't too interested in researching, uh, much uh, much of anything beyond like building a, my next Lego set, you know. Right. Uh, Legos. We can go a whole rabbit hole down that, but we won't. Um, I was always a Playmobil guy, honestly. I like okay. Legos, but Playmobiles were my jam, and they still might be. <laughs> if we look, if if Spencer was on video, we'd probably see a bunch of Playmobiles on the shelves behind him. Then in his in his studio. Uh, we won't know for sure. Um, with all the people you work with, though, like uh, obviously Mike Myers, a huge favorite of mine. Uh, you worked with him in Cat in the Hat. Uh, we mentioned the kid. You also had Lily Tomlin and Gene Smartnet, who have just uh, been some yep. great performances. Kate Hudson and Raising Helen. Uh, you got to work with and Gene and, and I worked on two things together because Gene also uh, played my mom on a sitcom, a 
a relatively short-lived sitcom that was one of, like, honestly, the best casts you could ever hope for. It was a show called Center of the Universe yeah. back uh, 19 years ago. It was John Goodman and, you know, Diedrich Bader and Ed Asner, Olympia Dukakis. You know, everyone, it was just such a crazy cast. Um, and Gene's awesome. So when when then did the did the knowledge kick in? Like as you're working with all these celebrities, and you mentioned you know being a kid, you're just kind of playing. When did do you remember like what movie you were on or what TV series you were filming where you realized, oh my gosh, I'm actually working with Ed Asner. Oh my gosh, I'm working with you know Kate Hudson. When did that kind of awareness kick in for you? Uh, I I don't think it's quite like that. I think I, I don't think there was ever like a light bulb or aha moment. Um, and I also. You know, growing up in the business, started working when I was three. It was never like a starstruck thing. It was, you know, definitely I respected the actors that I worked with, like, as I came to know how serious of a job it was. But I think I, I'm talking about, I guess, awareness more in terms of worrying about my performance and worrying about not letting my castmates down or the crew down. Um, but, you know, uh, I think I think probably there's you know, that intimidation factor where I definitely felt intimidated by these people who'd been working so long, even if they were super nice to me always, which they pretty much always were. But um, I think over time I've uh, kind of grown out of some of that and started to realize like, no, you know what? These are my colleagues. We're all trying to accomplish the same goal um, and, you know, kind of assert myself more and, you know, be willing to take more risks. But uh, I, I don't think there was ever a moment. I think we're just all constantly changing as people, I guess. And if you're just now tuning in, we're talking with actor Spencer Breslin, Murder Anyone, out on digital and on demand on February the 7th. Um, with uh, the people you've worked with, and obviously Cat in the Hat, uh, you were in that, uh, played uh, you know the young children who the cat comes and kind of gets riled up. Your your real life sister could have played in that. Was there, was there uh, ever a, did she test for that? Or do actors, or just, I should say movie companies, usually not want siblings playing siblings? I was just curious how that casting came down with you for Cat in the Hat. I mean, I think she was probably too young for that because she was only... See, she's four years younger than me, so she was only six years old, and I oh, think they okay. really wanted us to be the same age. And, you know, Dakota was uh, really fantastic in that. But Abby Absolutely. and I have gotten to work on a couple of things. We've got to play actual brother and sister. Um, in a movie I started right after I wrapped um, Cat in the Hat called uh, Raising Helen, directed by the, uh, you know, late, great Gary Marshall. And yes. It's kind of funny because the, the movies overlapped a bit, so... I'd be, we, they both shot on the Universal Studios lot, and I would be in my, you know, trailer on set of uh, Cat in the Hat on one stage at Universal for the last week of filming, and then my mom would kind of be running back and forth between my sister being on the other set on the other side of the lot, um, <laughs> kind of just going back and forth, and then, you know, we, uh, we you know, once I wrapped, we uh, both started working on it together, and, you know, we had our sibling uh, squabbles or whatever, but uh, it was a lot of fun. When you're doing two movies like that back to back, my my gosh, I have hard time remembering if I'm reading two books at the same time, which chapter I left off on and what the plot of one book is. When you're doing two movies like that, is that challenging at all? Thinking you've got to remember, oh no, I'm doing these lines now for this, or how does that break down for you as an actor? I mean, I think uh, as a as a ten year old kid, you have like all the energy in the world. Um, I think. Now, probably trying to like remember when my laundry is supposed to be out of the dryer while making dinner is too challenging. But um, at, at 10, I, I think you're just kind of game for whatever because you could, at 10 years old, you can 
sleep for two hours and then go to a slumber party and make a movie and do whatever. And, you know, your parents are tired, but you're like, Hey, I want to keep playing, you know? Right. Um, it just, it, when you think about all the stuff you've done, the movies and the TV and everything like that with all the people you've worked with, as we mentioned, is there anybody who you've, uh, like if you had to say one person with all the talent you've worked with that you, you learned something from that's kind of stuck with you throughout your career. Do you remember who it was and what that lesson was that you learned? Um, I'd say honestly, one of the, one of my biggest influences in, you know, I guess the movie business or just maybe life in general might be Gary Marshall. Um, you know, he and I worked on two different films and he was the nicest man in the world. And he kind of always, like he never talked down to you as a kid actor. Like he just treated you like you were any other actor on set. And, uh, you know, he would embrace the ideas that you had if they were funny, even as a kid. And a lot of people are just kind of, you know, they might treat the kid actors as sort of background for the adults to work with um, or a prop maybe, but uh, Gary was always very encouraging. And he, uh, you know, he used to talk about back in the day, I used to throw the ball with Ron Howard and then he became a huge director and he, you know, had kind of that same, you know, respect for me. And he kind of always told me, Hey, if acting's ever kind of slowing down, then, you know, write something or direct something or produce something, kind of be a jack of all trades. Cause you'll never not be busy at that point. And I've, you know, definitely embraced that. And that stuck with me because, you know, I'll do music or I'll write or I'll, you know, work on a friend's film and, you know, I'll still act and you don't have to limit yourself. And, you know, he would always kind of reinforce that idea. And that's, stuck with me 20 years later and have you found any outlet from acting like you mentioned music obviously but uh directing producing writing have you found anything you've kind of like felt you could uh, gravitate more towards because some people do acting and that's all they want to do and they fall in love with it and they try their hand at other things and like no that's that's great but it's not for me acting is my thing have you found something else that's kind of really sparked an interest with you i mean i'd say the two consistent things have been my love of making music and not just for myself, but I'll, you know, I produce stuff for other people and I'll record them. Um, and, and probably acting, you know, I, I, I really feel like those are uh, two of my big passions, you know? And with murder, anyone being based on a play, a lot of actors will go back and forth between, you know, doing commercials, then they'll do a movie, then they'll do TV, but they always kind of go back towards theater. IMDb, unfortunately, doesn't cover that. Have you done much theater in all your acting uh, in these past decades, or is uh, is theater something you've not tried or you tried and you didn't care for it? Uh, you know, I've just never done it. Okay. Um, I, I, would, I would do it. Uh, it's just the opportunity's never really presented itself. And back in New York, I grew up with a ton of kids, you know, back in the high school days who were always constantly doing theater. Um, and I have such, like, tremendous respect for those actors uh, because – Theater is something that really intimidates me. I would, I would do it, but it's, uh, it's, uh, it's scary because it's unknown to me. Um, my sister did uh, a Broadway show. Uh, she played Helen Keller in The Miracle Worker in a revival of that probably, I guess, 10 or 11 years ago. And watching her do that every night, you know, two different shows a day, like on Broadway, the biggest, literally the biggest stage you can imagine. I was just kind of in awe of what she did because it's uh, – from what I've been told by her and many others, it's a totally different animal than film acting. Um, you know, and I, I love film acting, but I, I, I definitely would consider doing theater if I, uh, if I ever had the chance to. But it's uh, scary. 
Yeah, no, it's it's one of those things I saw. I went back through some archive and I found an interview with Alan Rickman, and he was saying that he says doing live theater, even at his level, he'll sit, get up there and he'll be delivering his line, and he's he says as he's saying his line, a little voice in his head says, "Okay, you know this line, but there's a line coming five lines from now, and you don't really know that one very well, do you?" It's <laughs> more like Alan Rickman would struggle with that. Kind of makes you feel like I guess that's every actor is in that boat at some point. Yeah, well, then I, I guess we're all in good company if Alan Rickman felt that way because he's one of the greats of all time. So I guess that makes me feel a bit better. <laughs> and with everything you've got going on, obviously, we've got this to look forward to on demand and on digital February 7th. Um, is there anything else you're working on that you can talk about? Because I know sometimes NDAs are out there and you can't really discuss things. Anything you're writing, directing, producing, music you're working on, another TV series or a movie that you kind of are starting to gear up for? Anything that you can talk about? Uh, yeah, there's. I can definitely talk about it. I've got a film that I finished back in November, a very heavy family drama, I guess, called Four, um, that is uh, produced by James uh, James Brassick, um, directed by a very talented director, uh, Canyon Prince. And, uh, you know, that's, uh, that's one that I've got coming out hopefully later this year. And I also just finished another film with James that he was directing with Jean-Claude Van Damme called Darkness of Man. Oh, wow. Um, and we just wrapped that one about two weeks ago. Um, so hopefully that, I guess that'll be out later this year too. I, I think they're, they just finished, uh, shooting. So, uh, I got those two and then I've got a few others that I'm attached to right now to, uh, act in all of them and produce some of them. So, uh, so it sounds like 2023 is a busy year for Spencer Breslin. Then. <laughs> unexpectedly, unexpectedly busy, and I'm very grateful for it. And again, with this one, you mentioned it was such a short turnaround. I know we've just got a few minutes with you left. Um, did you have, do you find those more rewarding? Like if you can just go in, do your thing, get out. Do you prefer the kind of long extended shoots where you kind of get to be on location and get to know the other actors a little bit better? Uh, what do you find is more comfortable for you? Uh, I mean, to me, the shoot is never long enough because I'm happiest when I'm working. So uh, there's always a bit of that, you know, kind of depression that sets in like the day after you wrap something. You're like, oh, what am I going to do today? Um, (laughs) You know, because you get very invested in the character and the people that you're working with, obviously. Um, So that's always a good shoot. When you feel depressed after a shoot, you know, it was a good shoot because you had so much fun doing it, if that makes sense. Um, Absolutely. So. Yeah, I mean, I'm, yeah, I've been very lucky to work on a lot of really cool stuff. And last question, because I'm always fascinated by these kind of behind-the-scenes stories. You know, there's that story of Harrison Ford got terribly sick when he was filming Raiders of the Lost Ark. That's why he improvised the gun scene with the swordsman in Cairo uh, during Raiders of the Lost Ark. Was there, a, was there a very rough day on this particular movie kind of story that you can tell us about any of the films or projects you've worked on? On this particular movie, there was no... Uh, real injury or bodily harm or anything like that. But um, on Cat in the Hat, I did get strep throat and uh, appendicitis during the course of the film. Yikes. (laughs) So that that wasn't super fun. But uh, I got to have a lot of, uh, you know, ice cream and presents and stuff in the hospital after my surgery. So that was cool. (laughs) There you go. So there's always a silver lining, see? We'll do one. And at 10, you recover so quickly. Like three days later, you're out playing basketball. So, I mean... I was lucky it happened at 10, I guess. Did it at least hold off until the end of the shoot, or were you still in mid-shoot for that movie when that all hit? Oh, no, I was in, I was in mid-shoot. This oh. happened, both of those illnesses happened during the course of filming. Oh, my gosh. That's yeah. even worse. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, like I said, though, the 
the 10 year old, uh, human body can recover pretty quickly from that kind of stuff, I guess. Well, hopefully uh, we won't a, have any more issues. A little bit issues. longer to bounce back now. Hopefully no more health issues with you going forward as you uh, as you enter into this busy year that you've got coming up. Once again, the movie Not is on demand and digital February 7th. It's called Murder Anyone. You can check it out. And Spencer Breslin, you'll see him in the film. Where can people keep up with you online, website, social media handles, if people want to check out more of your stuff? Uh, yeah, so uh, Twitter is at Spencer Breslin. Um, and Instagram is at O-N-O-S-P-E-N-N-Y. O-H-N-O-S-P-E-N-N-Y. Um, and I, uh, I'm on both of those pretty often. I like to uh, engage with people. So, yeah, you know, uh, say hi. Yeah. Perfect. Uh, Spencer Breslin, I appreciate your time tonight. Thanks so much. Continued success to you, and hopefully we can have you back on. Hey, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Have a great one to you and your listeners. Thank you. Be well. All right, there he goes, Spencer Breslin. Uh, very quickly here, I'm going to put my next guest on hold. If I can do this without messing up the phone calls, we need to take a very quick break. Uh, so, oh, I lost him. He'll call back. Uh, <laughs> that's the problem. I, I, I never time these things out right. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to right back talking with Eric Fellows on geek to me Radio. Please stand by. Hey, what's up, guys? This is Eric Martzoff. You might know me from Days of Our Lives. You might know me from Smallville, Rideshare the Series, or maybe I ran into in a grocery store. I don't know. But you are listening to Geek to Me Radio. We are back. Geek to Me Radio here every Sunday night on the Big 550 KTRS. I'm your host, James Enstall. We want to make sure we tell you about our official comic book sponsor for the show, Bugs Comics and Games. If you head out Either the page extension or if you head out Highway 70, you catch Brian Road. And either way, you can get to Bugs Comics and Games. If you're looking to sell your collection, if you're looking to buy comics, if you're looking to kind of get back into collecting, you haven't done it for a while, or you're a longtime collector, maybe your local comic book store closed, check out Bugs Comics and Games. Good news for those of you who might be listening online as well. You can go to the website, BugsComicsAndGames.com. Larry does a great job of putting the variant covers up there. Sometimes the variant covers are hard to find. You can get them on the website. Uh, join the Avengers Club, because in this economy, saving money is something we all need to look at. And the Avengers Club will start saving you money on your new issues, your back issues, your toys, your games, your supplies, whatever it is one you get. You can save money while enjoying your hobby. Check out Bugs Comics and Games on Facebook and give their page there a like. Larry would appreciate that as well. Bugs Comics and Games, very proud to have them as the official comic book sponsor here on geek to me Radio. My next guest has joined us once before. I looked it up. It's been about a year since we had him on the show. Uh, talked about his movies at the time that he had out Break Even. Now he's back. Uh, rom-com out Divorce Bait, which you can see. Eric Fellows is on the show again. How are you? Hey, my man. How are you? Thanks for having me on again. So glad to have you on. This is great. Um, I, I want to say first, since last time you were on the show, congratulations, your engagement. I saw it on Instagram. Very nice. Uh, congratulations oh, thank to you. you man. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. I'm excited. We're both excited. It's cool. So it's a long story. Uh, we met years ago, but we uh, we made it happen. And now we're, we go back and forth to Poland and L.A. because that's where she's from originally. Uh, so we're making the transition as we speak, and we just got back to Los Angeles about two days ago. So it's been long travel and all that stuff, so it was good holidays. But, yeah, we're very happy. Thank you. Of course, of course. And you should be happy, too. Uh, uh, the Divorce Bait, uh, a lot of people talking about this movie and how great it is. It's it's a lot of fun, great cast. Talk a little bit about uh, getting cast for this particular film. 
Well, divorce bait. Um, yeah, it is funny. It's it's uh, it's you know raunchy rom com, which will surprise some people. It's, it's it's different than your your average rom com for sure. Uh, it's got some twists in it and surprises and just some very interesting characters. Uh, yeah, I play Samuel Gray, and um, I yeah the casting situation. Well, I've actually worked with the writer producer, and then it's a husband and wife um, duo. Um, Christina is the writer producer uh, who co-collabed with a couple with a, two other writers, but it was mainly um, her story. And um, Patrick Perez is the director, and uh, I've worked with them. It's my sixth project with them. Oh wow! So I did another one a couple of years back called "In Other Words." That's out. Um, another rom com, not nearly as raunchy. Uh, I love working with them. They're, you know, she gives me great material. Always challenges me. So I, you know, and we're good friends. So you know, we know each other for years. Uh, so she she uh, threw this character at me. I played the conflict in the film to Vanessa Vasquez plays Alexis and Justin Birdie, um, whose husband and wife in the film, and he plays Marco. So I'm the ex-boyfriend from years and years ago. It was kind of like, kind of the relationship that got away from itself. Like, I might have been the one that, you know, did she make, you know, not make a mistake, but, you know, did I let him go? And, it's you know, it, one of those situations where the guy that comes back into your life and you kind of question the situation. But she... Um, She's got a lot of insecurity issues in, in marriages. It's her second marriage in the film. Uh, to playing opposite Justin Birdie, and interesting a lot enough, she's she's out. You know, basically the movie starts out as they're at dinner and they're kind of talking and having this great night, and then they oversee one of their friends, and they just found out that he got divorced from his wife, and they're all good friends, kind of you know family friends. So, but then all of a sudden, she sees he's on a date with one of the other friends, and they've only been divorced for a very short period of time. So she kind of snaps and causes this big uproar at this restaurant. And then in the next scene, basically she says to her husband, you know, I would know what it would be like if we get a divorce and which one of my friends would for me first. <laughs> one of those situations. And he thinks it's a terrible idea, obviously, because that's just not a good idea to do anyway. It's just a situation. Right. Uh, so, but she goes with it, posted on you know social media that she's gotten a divorce. And it kind of like ensues from there. And she used to be this successful hand model which is a joke in the situation because she's a pretty girl and but the fact that she's a hand model and uh i'm a photographer and he's kind of this artsy sort of swarmy sort of you know sort of a artsy tool bag photographer guy that kind of like (laughs) thinks his crap doesn't stink and he has this chance of kind of getting back kind of getting trying to see if he can get back in the situation because he kind of never got over and she you know was testing the waters to see what happens so i'm Without getting, giving too much away for people who haven't seen it, uh, yeah, I play this this kind of character that kind of tries to step back in and see if I can swoop her away. Uh, it's funny. It's cool. Um, there's a lot of funny stuff in it, for sure. And the, the you, you mentioned it's a raunchy rom-com. It seems like that's... When I think of raunchy rom-com, I think of kind of those raunchy 80s movies like Porky's and things like that. It almost seems like those kind of movies, though, are making a bit of a comeback. People are okay they with are. kind of seeing a little bit more of that. Like, we saw kind of with Bridesmaids, for an example. But it seems well, like that, people... That's compared to Bridesmaids a lot, actually. Yeah. It's that kind of tone. Right. Exactly about that kind of tone. Yeah, it seems like that's kind of making a comeback. I think those those movies are very successful, and I think uh, everything I saw looks like divorce bait. Everyone who I saw talking about the movie had great praise for it, so that's I think it's a testament to 
like you mentioned, the writers and directors and everything, and obviously the acting Absolutely. in it. But it's, it's just I think there's that there's that little bit of a need for us to be a little uh, kind of let loose and let that naughty side kind of come out when we're kind of watching our films and movies. A hundred percent. And it's funny because I had two raunchy comedies come out back to back. I thought right before that was a film about Hollywood and it's a very abrasive title called Starfucker. And uh, it's a dark comedy sort of satire film about Hollywood. Um, that's on the, I mean, on the same level of raunchiness and kind of in your face and not saying you're sorry for what you did with the movie. So it was interesting to have back to back same level, like raunchiness, in films. Um, so, yeah, I mean, and, and it got, you know, it's done well. It's done really well, and it's very, been made very, fairly high. Both of them were, which I guess people are being a little less sensitive, I guess. Like I said, that's nice. We Especially, I think it, coming out after COVID, too, I think people are kind of throwing caution to the wind in some cases because we were all locked up and pent up for so long. So well, yeah, that I might mean, be part of it, listen, too. Yeah, and also these kind of comedies and stuff, and, I mean, if you were going to get offended by these things, I mean, come on. It's, it, we're just like, we're having fun with storytelling, and we just take it a little step further. But these movies have been happening for years. Right, just, no, exactly. You, know, you, you can't apologize for it. People are going to either love it or not like it so much. It might not be for everyone, you know? No, exactly right. And I know you mentioned, too, you've worked, this is your sixth project, I said. As an actor, I'm sure that's uh, kind of a, a nice feeling to be working with someone you've already got kind of a shorthand with, the, the the people on the team, and you probably, as an actor, feel more comfortable, so it kind of brings out a better performance in you. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I think in this business, it, it really does come down to uh, friendships, trust, um, really, really just... Get, you know, making these tight friendships, and if you notice a lot of these groups of actors that's been around for a long time, like Adam Sandler, um, that's one good example. He works with all, his friends all the time. Yeah. You know what I mean? you got to trust people a lot, and it's a very complicated business. You can't do it on your own. Uh, it just, you know, it's not a good idea to even try that. I mean, I would always tell people, look, get yourself a tight, a tight group of people that, you know, all departments, the cinematographer, director, or whoever it may be, these are people you're working with over and over again that, yeah, it, it comes easier. The, the stress level is not there as much. Um, you still want to do their best job, clearly. Sure. But at the end of the day, it is, it's about teamwork. And this is how any sort of success really comes in Hollywood. Uh, no one's ever showed me any different. I've, I've seen in the past 20 years that it's really trusting and having good friendships and just really them having your back at the end of the day. So, yeah, it definitely helps for sure. And again, if you're just now tuning in, we're talking with Eric Fellows' uh, movie Divorce Bait, which you can catch out on digital on demand as well if you want to check that out. Um, are you okay to stick with me if I take another quick commercial break? Yeah, man, go ahead. Perfect. All right, we're going to take another quick break. We're going to come back in just a moment. We'll chat more with Eric Fellows about Divorce Bait, a couple of his other projects as well. You're listening to Geek to Me Radio on the Big 550 KTRS. Please stand by. Hey guys, this is Echo Kellum, a.k.a. Mr. Terrific, and you're listening to geek to me Radio. We are back. geek to me Radio every Sunday night on the Big 550. I'm your host, James Enstall. Hello to all of you who are watching on the stream, too, on YouTube and Facebook. We appreciate you watching there. I know we've got uh, BK and we've got Chance watching in the stream. Hello to both of you. And, of course, if you're hearing us after the fact in the podcast form, we do appreciate your finding us there and uh, subscribing and listening every single week. 
as just as we appreciate all of our live listeners here in the greater St. Louis metropolitan area listening on 550 KTRS. We'll make sure we tell you very quickly about our premier sponsor, the Greater St. Charles Convention and Visitors Bureau. Longtime listeners will know the website, discoverstcharles.com. If you're looking for someplace new to visit, it's 2023. Maybe you want to go someplace new you haven't been and you're outside the area. Come check out St. Charles. They have Everything you can imagine. They've got the high-end hotels. They've got casinos. They've got historic districts where you can go and check out all the old buildings and the placards and who slept here and what war was fought here. And they've got all these little uh, businesses up and down Main Street. There are all these small businesses, some of the best restaurants you'll find, unique shops where you can buy a special gift for that special someone in your life. If you've got a birthday or anniversary coming up and you're looking for something new, check out some of the shops along there, too. Obviously, if you're in the greater St. Louis, St. Charles area and haven't been over there to visit them lately, check them out because there's always something new. I was just driving down there the other day, and my wife loves those Macrons. New shop opened up, fairly new, Sugar and Slice on Main Street. So I had to get out and get her some of those Macrons. They had wedding cake flavor. They had gooey butter flavor because we're in St. Louis. Why not throw gooey butter and everything? Uh, absolutely brilliant shop. That I highly recommend them as well. Always something new to check out. If you're in the greater St. Louis, St. Charles area, head over. If you're not... Start your trip at the website, discoverstcharles.com. That's discoverstcharles.com. As we always say, it's an historically good time. Chatting with actor Eric Fellows. Uh, Eric, have you ever had gooey butter? No, but it sounds very gooey good. (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of a St. Louis thing, and I'm always kind of curious, because people out of St. Louis usually haven't heard of gooey butter, and they don't know what toasted raviolis are. It's kind of some of those weird things St. Louis is known for food-wise, so I didn't know if it had ever ever come up in your uh, your dietary uh, uh, going through things. No, uh, but I do want to try this. Um, (laughs) I, I I, I love sweet. I love all food. Most foods, most foods, but I'm I'm an eater man, so I'm gonna have to look at this. If I'm ever in St. Louis, I'm definitely gonna have gooey butter. If yeah, if you ever decide to come through, let me know, and I'll email you like the top five restaurants you'll have to check out because we got some, we had some great food here in St. Louis. And I'm I'm a fat kid. I love eating, so uh, I'll tell you all those places. <laughs> no, dude, I'm I'm 100 down. Perfect. Um, we were talking about divorce bait uh, before we went to that last commercial break. I know we talked a little bit about it the last time we had you on, but for the listeners uh-huh. who may not have tuned in, uh, the music videos where you got to play the love interests of like Jennifer Lopez, Catherine McPhee, Lindsay Lohan, Dido, all those music videos and everything like that. When you're filming a music video, what is the difference for you as an actor when you're coming in to do that versus you're doing a TV show or a movie or something like that? Do you approach those differently as an actor at all? I mean, you know, I mean, I things as your as your career, you know, advances over the years. Um, you learn so many different things, and and you experience so many different things on different sets and working with different people. So, like, you know, for instance, you know, my first music video I did was with Dido. That was my first time ever in a music video. Mm. I never really thought about being in music videos, but you know, I thought you know I watched a lot, you know, because it was big back in the day, TRL yeah. and MTV. That was huge. So I was big into that. And then I lived in New York City at first. So, you know, I would go see TRL. I happened to be on the show before I met people that produced, produced it. And, but when you're in a music video, and, 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 you know, those four videos all went in their, you know, uh, they were all number one at one point, And I think three of them were number one on TRL. Which, after doing it, it's interesting because, you know, going to a music video, I, I mean, it's always kind of like you, you're stepping in with your best foot forward. Yeah. Uh, and it just depends. I mean, yeah, for performance wise, because you're not, I mean, it's like, it's like scenes, like you're shooting a scene in a TV show or a movie. 
but without dialogue, all emotion and expressions and kind of just feeling out, you know, that, that, that kind of understanding and a music video comparison to, you know, doing a TV show or a movie, it's just, I wouldn't, I, I don't, I, I think they're very different. I, it's, it's hard to explain, you know, the approach to it. I, and again, over time, I just got more comfortable playing next to these people and and as my career advanced. So comparison to my, I was nervous. I remember on my first music video because one that was very big back then. And oh, she's just very talented and, you know, iconic people know who she is and her songs were very impactful. So I was young, I was 23. Um, and the experience was, she was awesome. Uh, it went really smoothly. I mean, I, I was nervous at first and the director was like, it's okay, man. It's okay. You know, because <laughs> you want to impress. Sure. So the approach is a little different. I mean, now if I was to do a music video, I did one, I think my last one a couple of years ago for American authors called neighborhood. Uh, I mean, I go into it now, very nonchalant and kind of just going with the flow and listen to the director and talk with the artist. And so it's, so it's hard to really say if I go into it, preparing like, you know, a movie or a TV series, cause you're, it's a different dynamic. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know what I mean? It's just kind of just living in the moment and taking direction, I guess. You know what I mean? And, and hopefully they like you. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's all any of us can ask, really, at the end of the day, right? Yeah, right? <laughs> you, you can't do too much about it. You kind of just go do, and, you know, you just get comfortable over time. I mean, you're always going to be a little nervous. We just have that in us as humans. You know, the nerves, if you didn't have nerves, it wouldn't, you wouldn't be human. So, right. yeah, you just got to enjoy it as much as you can. And just last week, uh, we had Mike Manning on the show who uh, played on Mike, Days of yeah. Our Lives. And I know yeah. you'd play, you got in that Days of Our Lives alumni. T- I told Mike, I said, gosh, you're like the fifth or sixth actor now I've had on here from Days of Our Lives, which is great because I grew up watching that soap yeah. opera. But Absolutely. Do you, are, are, are you still, I mean, I would think doing a soap, you're in there, you're doing these, you know, sometimes you're shooting two episodes and you're knocking these things out. I'm assuming you stay friendly yeah. with a lot of the people. Is there someone who you stayed uh, in close contact with from, the sh- from Days of Our Lives? Well, yeah, I mean, we do, yeah, yeah, because I, I, I was on a series called The Bay for many seasons, yeah. and a lot of those actors came um, in and off our show. So, yeah, I mean, I talked to Eric, I mean, I'll see, I'll see Mike Manning and Eric Martzoff in, well, I'll see my, well, I'm, I'm producing a project with Mike Manning right now, oh, great. another fellow actor. Yeah, I just talked to Mike Manning yesterday. Oh, cool. Um, <laughs> Small world. Yeah, we, we, we talk pretty consistently. Uh, yeah, we have a, a Christmas movie that we're putting together. Um, we're playing, uh, I'm playing one of three brothers with Mike and another guy named Vincent DePaul. He was also on the bay with me, me and Mike. Um, so yeah, I talk to Mike all the time. Uh, I just saw Eric Martzoff because we do a charity called uh, Samantha's Friends, and I'm going to the one in May. I went last year. Actually, um, it was really cool. So I got to see a lot of uh, fellow alums. So Eric Martzoff, I see from time to time, and we're cool because I worked with Eric a lot on the show when I was on days. Yeah. Um, and I worked with Lindsay Hartley the most. Uh, so I see her, you know, see her from time to time. Uh, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of soap people that I still talk to, um, and a lot of them were on Days of Our Lives, uh, either during when I was on or right after, you know what I mean? So it was the three years that I did it. So yeah, I mean, we all are in the same kind of like, you know, that group of soap people, guys and girls, kind of like fall into the same sort of like world. So we see each other from time to time, but yeah, I see Mike and talk to Michael, like, you know, at least once a week until we start shooting this project. That's always nice to hear because I, you know, I grew up and I, I'm watching these soap operas and I feel like they all, it's like one big family you're watching. So it's, it's, that's really nice to hear that it's kind of like that behind the scenes as well. 
Well, yeah, I mean, a lot of these, a lot of these guys jump, you know, jump from or jumping from soap to soap and coming back to the soap. You know, in the soap world, it's crazy because they can chop your head off and then bring you back <laughs> as like, you know, the the the, the evil twin. Or you know, at one point they were going to bring me back as because uh, I played. Uh, initially, they were going to bring me on as another character, but it was too close to. Uh, it, it was too soon after. And so it just didn't work with the storyline. And then eventually they were talking about it, giving me like a good, a good twin. So and it, it didn't work out, but um, you know, subs are great. It was a great uh, starting point. Uh, it, it's a great training ground, but uh, I always love soaps, but I think for me, I've moved on uh, and uh, you know, really love film and you know, a lot of TV at this point, streaming and Netflix and all this stuff, is, sure. you know, shooting a lot of this stuff so much like film and cinema. So uh, yeah, we, but I wouldn't be opposed to going back. Just depends. I think the one I would want to do at this point. They brought me in so many times, and I got so close so many times. as General Hospital. Oh yeah, I would yeah, do yeah. that for like like a recurring. But I, I wouldn't want to get locked in back into a soap. I I appreciate the style. It's just I'm just in a different place. Yeah. But I definitely think uh, it was a good training ground. It was very nerve wracking because you hear all these things about soaps and like the machine. And you can't, you can't, you know, you can't mess up your lines and right. you shoot one take. And that's all very true. And uh, a couple times, I think I forgot my lines uh, over the, the years I was on. And I remember just like taking a big gulp going, crap. <laughs> like it's, you get really scared because man, they don't, they don't play games. Yeah, and we were just talking about forgetting lines with uh, my last guest, Spencer Breslin. So it's kind of funny you brought that up as well. That's one of those fears yeah. I think nobody ever gets over. It, no, man. Well, I'll tell you what, though, since, you know, shooting films, you get a lot more takes. Yeah. Even prime time, even prime time, uh, you just get a lot more takes. It just, you know, we're shooting two or three episodes in one day, man, sometimes. Oh, yeah, that's, that's, that's a grueling thing. I know, like, you, everything you've just said, like, yes, it's a great training ground. You learn a lot, but it is also that grueling drive. And if you're doing a soap, you don't have a lot of time to go. F- yeah, I'm going to take a couple weeks to go film this movie. That's not really a thing either. So I can understand why you kind of don't want to get yeah. locked back into that. That makes total sense. Yeah, and again, I appreciate it, and uh, I was very grateful for my set on there, and I have respect. I mean, a lot of those actors are very good actors. I mean, a lot of a lot of big you know big stars started in soaps. It's just um, it's just one of those things. Yeah, I never even really wanted to be on a soap. Uh, yeah, I've been, I had opportunities for it, and then I think uh, was a guiding light when the guiding light was still on when I lived in New York. Hmm. And I just moved to LA, and then they wanted to test me on guiding light, and I didn't want to go back to New York. It was after, right after September 11th. It was like... Oh, yeah. Yeah, because I moved to L.A. October 10th, 2001. Oof. So it was kind of the next few months. And then I ended up getting an audition for another soap. And I kind of was just ch- chilled for a while. I was just like, I, I don't know, maybe it's, it's not for me. And then 2009, um, Days of Our Lives audition happened. And kind of that's how it happened. And I know, you, if I'm not mistaken, you were born in Maryland, so you started out as an East Coast person. Have you, obviously, at this I point, did. do you feel more like a West Coast person now, or does that East Coaster never really leave you? I think my personality is still very East Coast. Um, but, I, well, I prefer I prefer the West Coast. Obviously, it's the, you know, where I live. And, you know, when, I, I, mean, I love going back home, obviously. I'm only a child, so I, the one thing is I do miss my family a lot. Oh, sure. Um I need to spend more time over there. Uh, but as far as like ever moving back to the East coast now, man, I, I mean, I've, I've been in LA so long. I just, I'm very comfortable in this setting. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's lots to do. 
it's predominantly very nice weather year round. Right. So even when you're having a bad day, can't be that bad because it's nice. Right. <laughs> so, but I do, yeah, no, I mean, a lot of it's, I miss my family and my parents. So, but you know, we talk every, every single day. Um, but I'll be going back home soon. And we've got just a couple minutes left here. Uh, the hour yep. flies by. Since uh, since I mentioned Mike Manning when you guys are friends, one of the questions I asked him, because he's huge into geek and nerd culture. He loves like the Comic-Con and everything like that, and we talked about that. Yeah, 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 yeah. So let me yeah. ask you, especially with DC, James Gunn just came out making all these new announcements. If you could be in one of the comic book franchises, Marvel, DC, Superman. if there's a, a sandbox you want to play Superman. in. What would I you would want to be Superman. Super, and you've got the looks to pull it off. I mean, you've you've got the. Well, the... I'm not quite tall enough, man. They have to. Well, I mean, I guess they even made Henry Cavill a little bit taller. Right. Uh, yeah, I always wanted to be Superman. I get a lot of people say I should try for Batman. I'm I'm like, I'm only five ten. So, you know, Henry Cavill I think is about six six foot six one. You know, and before him was was it Brandon Ralph, who is six three. Uh, it would be Superman for sure. Um. Yeah, I did. I have to put on some muscle. <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, I've always loved. Superman. I love. I love Batman too. I actually really like the last Batman. I thought Bob Pattinson did a great job. I, I knew he was going to do a great job. Um, very different type of Batman. Yeah, but um, I thought it was great actually. No, we we've, we've talked about that on the show before. That I think that was uh, that was one of my favorite Batman movies because it really saw him kind of take that turn back towards being a detective. We saw a lot of that. It was almost like Batman Year One Point Five. I kind of liked the earlier take on it. So that was great. Yeah, no, I thought it was really well. I think it was really well done. You know, it, it wasn't for everyone, but I think it did pretty well. You know, people were really against Rob Pattinson, but then they were also really against him for Twilight. So but the funny <laughs> thing is, you know, coming from this teen sort of vampire, I always think I know, his, I know his, his talent. I've watched his stuff. And I, I knew he was going to be a great Batman. People were talking all this stuff, and I'm just like, okay. But I was sticking up for him. Like, anytime I would see, like, a board saying, oh, this is a horrible choice. Well, it couldn't have been that horrible a choice because the movie did well. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's, you know what I mean? That's the last statement you're going to make there because it's like, if you hated him so much, then why'd you go see the movie? Right. It seems like there's always the, the online people are the most vocal. People always thought they said Daniel Craig was going to be a horrible James Bond and look how that turned out for Daniel they Craig. They want to hate so. on everyone. <laughs> they just want, they, people live, unfortunately, a lot of people stand behind a computer and write stuff like this. You just got to laugh. Because it's like those are the ones that end up liking the situation. It's like they are they don't they have to see it and then they'll pretend like they didn't like it, but that's not true. So right. you kind of take that criticism and just laugh. I've learned in this business, you know, try not to read too much of that stuff because it, you know if you allow it to get you and bring you down, then it affects your life and your career. So you know, I, I thought it was well done, and um, yeah, I don't know what's going from here. So so Henry Cavill is now out of Superman, correct? Yeah, so so uh, the role is up. So I think uh, though Mike said he would like Superman as well. So I think you and Mike are gonna have to duke it out for the role. So we'll see how it goes. <laughs> well, Mike's a little younger than me. What's but, that? Uh, when I shave, I'm still playing. I can still play Superman's age. Uh, yeah, but uh, he always oh, he likes he goes Superman as well. Well, me and Mike are the same height. So oh, see, so it's it's even footing. It could be anybody's game. <laughs> well, listen, he could take if it came down to it. He could have Superman. I'd still love to play Batman. Either yeah. way, one of the two, but I'm more of a Superman fan. I always have been. Maybe we'll get a fan film out of this if we get the two of you to do uh, Superman, Batman. I know we're, we're at the end of the hour. Unfortunately, it's flown by. Um, yeah. Let people know the movie again, Divorce Bait. Check it out. Where can people keep up with you online, social media, if they want to follow you more? Uh, my Instagram is Eric Fells Official. 
E-R-I-K-F-E-L-L-O-W-S, official. Uh, Facebook is Eric Fellows. Um, well, there's a few Facebooks, but they'll find me. And then there's on Twitter, which I don't use that much. I'm told I have to, but I don't use it that much. And that's Eric Fellows as well. I do have a TikTok. Uh, I don't even know. My, I just think it's Eric Fellows, but I don't use it really much. Um, there's, I don't know. There's so many social medias. Uh, but those <laughs> Instagram's my main one and Facebook. Perfect. Eric Fellows, I appreciate your time on a Sunday night. Thanks so much. Be well. Continued success to you. James, thank you, buddy. Have a great one, man. You too. Take care. There he goes. And uh, thanks to our partners, Kokomo Toys. Thanks to Joey V for making the show sound as good, look as good as it does. Until next week, my friends. Thank you, West Coast. Good night. Hey, kids. Are your parents about to buy you a shiny new toy from Amazon? Hi, I'm Chucky. Wanna play? Well, don't be selfish. Share some of that money with us. Before going on Amazon, make sure to type in bit.ly slash geek to me in the web browser. It will look just like Amazon.com, except it'll say referral geek to me radio up top. And then when you check out, a tiny percentage will go to support the show without costing you one cent more. So before your parents get you that gizmo, gadget, or widget, make sure they type in bit.ly slash geek to me in the web browser. Bit.ly slash geek to me. Bit.ly slash geek to me.